Hello and welcome to Pod Songs, where we interview inspirational people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. Today, my guest is Dick Forsman, and my co-host is the musician Ruben Hein. Hello. Hello, uh, Ru. Hello. Uh, yes, sorry, I had some uh, interface issues, but now it's, uh, it's fine. Hello, Jack, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm great. So I'm so relaxed. I've just been watching your documentary. Oh, <laughs> oh God. With a, with a sobby, sobby bird watcher. <laughs> it's, wow. What a spectacular trip. It was. It was, it was uh, absolutely uh, amazing, actually. Sorry, I'm going to just put my phone away. So I'm all set for my... All right, there I am. Yeah, no, yeah. You actually watched it, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I'm, I'm actually halfway through. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so the sobbing part will come later on. Oh, okay. But, all right. So, uh, but uh, so, so now I already told you. So yeah. Uh, you, you've ruined the ending. I've ruined the ending. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was uh, amazing. Yes. It's already it's already two and a half years ago, strangely enough, because it was uh, just before COVID. Mm -hmm. Actually, when we we sailed back to uh, South America, then um, the 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 former U.S. president, whose name not will not be mentioned. Uh, <laughs> Uh, close the uh, all the air. How do you say it? The, the airlines. So then it was a bit of a challenge if if I actually would get back home, but eventually I did. Wow, you just got that. Just got back in time. Yeah, yeah, right in time. We were one of the last flights out of out of uh, Argentina. Yeah, it's a bit uh, stressful. Mm, because then you had you're going to make this documentary. You're going to do it in all. Um... Enter it in all documentary film festivals, and they must have all been shut down. It must have been frustrating. Yeah, but we, I mean, we also took our time to make it, so we weren't in a rush. Um, and to be honest, uh, at first it wasn't the plan to make a documentary. At first, we just wanted to make it, for, or we wanted to make a short one, like mm -hmm. fifteen minutes, um, and then they eventually. Uh, yeah. It, it escalated quickly. <laughs> and, uh, it could and, have been longer, no? I mean, sure, you had so much material. Yes, we had. Uh, uh, and to my, if, we're we're not recording yet, are we? Um, I, I just dive straight in, yeah. But um, oh, okay, yeah. No, then then I won't. I'll leave all my comments. No, okay. uh, <laughs> no. But when you look back at it. Uh, you always think like, ah, we could have done this or we could have done that. But um, we, uh, I'm, 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 I'm very happy to uh, to have made this. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it was a very nice asset to uh, to accompany the record. Yeah, and, yeah, and and vice versa. So part of the record was sketched. Hmm. on board uh, uh, but in all honesty i didn't uh you know when the whole ship was surrounded with uh 
with icebergs and albatross and whales and, 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 and penguins and most incredible or yeah, no time. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to sit somewhere deep down uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in my hut where it's dark <laughs> and gloomy. Yeah. yeah, all intellectual on uh, myself. <laughs> no, I love the shots of you. I thought you were working in the cabin. It looked like you had set up yeah, a home I, studio there. I, 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 I did, but I did do, do that during the day. So I did it ah, okay. things when it was dark, and then I mm. could write down or I could sketch it a little bit. So uh, the first sketches were made there, and then mm. I finished it off here. In the ah, okay. So, um, but before we dive in, or we'll since we already dove in, but thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Thanks for accepting. Uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's an honor. Well, it's uh, it's the, likewise. I'm really um, actually we have a friend, mutual friend in common, which is Paul Willemson. Oh, serious? Uh, ah, yeah. how, how do you how how what's the connection? He produced my first record. He did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When was this? This 2005. Ah wow! So yeah. that's before so, I I I worked with him. Yeah. <laughs> and are you still in touch? Uh, not for a while. No, we kind of drifted out. But um, yeah, because I lived in Amsterdam for ten years. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah, in the uh, in the noughties, and then I went traveling, and then I moved to Italy. Been in Italy for ten years, as, as one does. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and you're so, in Italy right now, or are you I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 So where are you based? Uh, underneath uh, about an hour and a half south of Napoli, it's uh, oh, quite on, on. quite far down south, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's the real Italy, yeah. Uh, the real Italy, yeah. Uh, I'm a bit. Um, well, you know Amsterdam. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Dutch weather, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> I can say it's the light, the lighting in the room, but I I can see the difference in your your. I mean, I look pale. And, mm. and fatigued and you look very yeah. healthy so <laughs> so you went to antarctica to get a suntan <laughs> actually i did <laughs> um, you have a beautiful office space now i saw in the video office that you're you're looking are you looking out the window at the um yeah actually i i to be honest i moved uh that was uh, my that was my former studio okay um, so after i got back from antarctica we moved out of amsterdam oh okay um uh, uh, so uh, we went to Haarlem, which you probably know, Yeah, uh, which is a little bit to the west. Uh, and so I got a new studio here, and I'm very sorry for the mess you see. No, no, it looks like you're a hardworking musician. If it was immaculate, you, I knew you wouldn't be doing any work. No, no, no. no. It's, uh, it's far from immaculate. It's, uh, I can show you around it. So uh, there's the grand mm -hmm. or uh can you see it over yeah 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 there got it but i share this room and there's a we have a bit of a drum cabin built mm -hmm. there but uh i share this room with two others so uh, right. uh so are you working on a, a new record at the moment then? actually at the moment i'm working on uh, uh, uh can you hear me well yeah. okay yeah uh at the moment i'm working on a new ep Mm -hmm. uh, so Oceans, the previous record came out uh, in February, I think. Yeah, no, January. Sorry, no, February. Sorry, uh, and uh, but of course it was 
post-COVID. So uh, um, we were doing gigs and uh, we were planning on doing more gigs, but uh, it was hard. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even actually, I found the, the post-COVID period the hardest, actually, because then suddenly everything started running again, but then it wasn't as uh, fruitful as you'd hoped. Mm or as it was before COVID, simply because people had to get used to it again. And and so did we actually, and the whole uh, industry had to get used to it again. So mm. uh, so then this summer I thought, well, fuck it. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, can I say that? No, yes, uh, of course. Okay, good. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, let's start a new, uh, let's just start writing again. So right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm finishing off a five track beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of nice because there's not too much pressure behind mm-hmm. it, so we're not in a rush, and well, we'll see when it's finished. Yeah, are I you, mean, are you, are you still are you still writing and active? And, 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 uh... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I had my best times in lockdown. I'm like you. I like I write best in isolation. So it was a big disappointment to me when everything opened up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what are you working on currently uh, next well, to the next to the podcast the, a baby uh, that's the only thing oh yeah. congrats <laughs> uh wait a second are you working uh, as in the baby is there um yeah we've done the we've done that we've done the, the fun bit now we have the slog yeah yeah <laughs> how old is he or she four months oh god oh you're right in the mix mm-hmm. oh and it's the first one yes yeah ah yeah <laughs> welcome welcome mm. into the, the new world i feel a camaraderie here you know uh, yeah right. well we 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 uh we, we have three wow so we kind of forgot how uh, our, our our biology lessons from high school mm. it was like oh shit. three's a lot three. yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> yeah, but they're not four months anymore so i i understand your uh your the stage you're in which is i assume assumption <laughs> is the mother of all fuck-ups but i assume it's uh very uh excited full of love mm-hmm. extremely mm-hmm. tired mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes a mixture of all those yeah yeah, yeah. And it's a he or she, sorry? A he. A he. A he. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. What's his name? Nicola. Nicola. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, life-changing. I mean, everyone says that, but it's, it's not until you realize it. And yeah. You actually have it. You know, that there's life. It's one of those things. There's a before and after, you know, there's a before yeah. and after COVID. Yeah. And there's a before and after baby. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I'm enjoying it, but. Yeah, really, time management is is key now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a whole. Uh, in the beginning, actually, when I I remember when our oldest was born, I remember um, it actually gave me very um, solid time slots, which right. I kind of liked. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I I was basically everywhere all the time. Obviously. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm butterflying around yeah yeah and, and, then, yeah and then suddenly there's a time very strict time frame of feeding and then and, and sleeping and then you know stuff like that and then okay i got five hours these are mine let's go yeah, yeah. so i got very um how do you say it? efficient 
for a very brief moment, <laughs> for, for a brief period of time. Yeah, but, I'm doing yeah. better with less sleep. I didn't realize before I, I slept too much. You know, I, oh, yeah. I always wanted to get by with six hours and now I'm, you know, I'm having to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it will, it will, uh, it will get better. Yeah, but three. I mean, that's uh, how was it? How does how far apart are they? Uh, they're uh, seven turning eight in January, six and uh, turning four in uh, so every two years. Yeah, that's no, just, no, no, that's a... no, yeah, yeah, actually. So, three, three kids within four years. So, dealing with a two year old, and yeah, that's a yeah, when the when the middleman was born. The oldest was 19 months. Hmm. That's a, I can't <laughs> imagine that. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. It's, it, it just, it just do. Yeah. But every, I, it's funny because I remember, we're drifting off it, but I remember mm. uh, saying to a friend, which I still regret, I said that. Uh, he, he, his girlfriend was pregnant and then he was making remarks about being a father. And then I said to him, no, we're holding him dear. He said, I did, dude, you have no idea. You have no. <laughs> and three months later, he, he called me. He said, dude, you were absolutely right. I had no idea, <laughs> which I found, I felt a bit guilty. Like I shouldn't have said that's a mean thing to say. I didn't mm -hmm. mean it that way, but, but uh, uh, like you said, there's a before and there's an after. Yeah, yeah. I'm in, no, I'm in the middle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So, get, getting back to bird watching, then. I mean, yeah. what, when I, I contacted Dick to ask him to be on yeah. the show, he was very flattered and very um, surprised. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, what made you pick Dick Forsman, the bird watcher, as your guest? Actually, uh, it's a podcast, so you can't see it. But actually, this book. Ah. It's a book called Flight Identification of Raptors of Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. So for those who are listening right now, um, uh, next to the fact that I'm, um, and I'll explain this to Mr. Forsman as well uh, later on, uh, but next to the fact that I'm a, a, a musician, there's another big love of mine, which is bird watching. Uh, and I'm very happy i have those two passions i don't like the word passion because it's always a bit uh, mm -hmm. you know it's overused an overused word but uh i will never get bored so right now i'm in my studio um which is uh in a very uh very which is in on the edge of a nature reserve and i always have my binoculars i'm a bird watcher i like i like nature and I like birds and Mr. Forsman made a book on uh well as right what it says flight identification of raptors so raptors I think for most bird watchers when they begin as a child uh the thing that strikes them the most is probably raptors so birds of prey mm -hmm. we're speaking of so I assume most of the listeners are not deeply into bird watching so i'll try to also in the conversation later i'll try to uh 
I would appreciate that. Yeah, if you can uh, <laughs> not dive into to detail immediately, <laughs> uh, but I'll try to. Uh, how do you say it? Yeah, lead us in gently. We're going on a journey with you exactly. into your into your passion, which is yeah. something we know nothing about. That's this is the beauty of the show. This is why I opened it up to other musicians. Is because you know I have a I'm a pretty broad mind, but yeah. I have a narrow set of interests. When you think about it, I mean really. So I never talk. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and everything else everyone is into, but yeah, I'd never have a guest about birdwatch because I wouldn't know what questions to ask. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to hold a conversation. You know. Well, the funny thing, when you asked me to to join on this podcast, I was thinking, okay, so what what what's in it for me? And that sounds a bit. Uh, but can I, yeah, it's, it sounds very selfish, <laughs> but as in. Uh, what can so I I can invite anyone I like, um, and yeah, anyone since, in the world, a, anyone it's in the world. Big ask, isn't it? Like who would you yeah. ask? So I mean, Barack and Obama couldn't make it. Uh, okay, yeah, we tried. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, and uh, oh, so I wanted to learn something, and this is a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And this man is uh, the most renowned. Uh, specialist in 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 birds of prey, um, and uh, I was always intrigued. I've always been intrigued by birds of prey. And like I said before, the the raptors is probably for most kids who are start watching birds like I did when I was a young kid. Raptors are the most. Uh, mm. How do you say it? Uh, well, dangerous, deadly, deadly, you know, powerful, mm. cool, you know, they have this, 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 this look in their eyes, which is a bit, um, well, not angry, but, uh, powerful. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they have these claws and they, they soar and they're big. Some of them are big, some of them are small, but they're very fast. And so that's where it, for me, it started, started there. And. The funny thing is, you said I don't, I wouldn't know what to ask uh, a, a bird watcher. Yeah, uh, and that's probably what most people think. So, what about birds? But when you dive in, mm. there's a whole new world, and it's not just for birds. I mean, it's it's also on if you dive into topics in nature. There's so much to discover, and so much uh, to learn, and it's so interesting, and it's. Uh, so inspirational for me as a musician. Um, but yeah, so then I thought, well, look, why not ask him? I mean, I, 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 I look in this book quite a lot. You know, every, every now and then I think, I saw this raptor today, but I'm not sure what it was, or there's something I want to know about it. So when I'm at home and I have nothing to do, I just, you know, mm. I, I, how, do, how, how do you call it when you do it like this? Browsing, yeah, clicking Brow- through, browsing or flicking browsing, through, yeah, flicking through. I flick through, and then I see a picture of a bird, and then I just read about it or look yeah. at pictures. And so it's it's as you can see, it's also a bit it's a bit warm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also very curious. I mean, within the 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 the, the birders world, which is not a very big. I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger. This the scene. <laughs> 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 uh, but Mr. F- that Mr. Forsman is is a bit of a myth. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he, he made these, he made, also made another book on raptors. And uh, he's, uh, you know, friends of mine would, would, you know, even before the whole social media thing, they would make a picture of a, a bird they wouldn't know. And then they would send it via email to him. So can you help us out? You would be this beacon of information. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I was just a bit like, well, why not? Let's, let's, let's have a chat. That's yeah, because I tried to research him, but he doesn't, he's not on social media. I mean, he, he's retired. He, well, he is on, uh, he is on Instagram. Is he? He is, yeah. Oh, is. I missed that. I, uh, yeah, he is on Instagram. But other than that, he has a website, which is not very much updated. Mm-hmm. The last yeah. blog was uh, 2019 or something yeah. like that. Saw that, yeah. Sorry. I managed to see a few videos of him and he says he's seen 100,000 raptors he estimates in his life. So he's been... I mean, I, I didn't think, know that... I, I think he, I, he probably saw more. Wow. Well, simply because of the fact if you're... But I will ask him later on. But simply because of the fact that if you're on the right spot mm-hmm. during migrate migrating season, and this is a migrating season, I will explain it later. Okay. Or I can explain it now. I didn't know they migrated. Yeah. Oh yes. Just, oh yeah. yes, definitely. So if you're in the right spot, you can see thousands and thousands of raptors soaring over, heading south or north, depending on the wow. So uh, just to inform you a little bit about uh, yeah, migration. Me up. Yeah, migration. Yeah. So birds migrate. Uh, they do it all over the world. Uh, here in Europe, they migrate generally from north to south and south to north. So in spring, they come from the south to breed up here in the north. Uh, and in autumn, they uh, fly back again to the south. So depending on the species, um, they travel uh, far or not so far. For example, there is um, very tiny warblers, which are tiny birds, which uh, you know they sing very. Yeah, oh yeah, I love the warblers. Yeah, yeah. And they, uh, some species, they travel all the way from uh, Scandinavia all the way to southern or sub-sahara africa so the southern part of africa or uh barn swallows for example do the same thing you see them in summer and yeah i know swallows are pretty famous for this yeah i've I've been clued up on that yeah 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 um raptors do the same uh some further than others uh and some stick around, but then you see, for example, it's possible you see uh, uh, the same species of bird in each uh, time of year. So in summer, you'd see, let's say, uh, a robin. Okay. Um, and in winter, you'd see a robin as well, but it's not the same robin. So they might. You're migrate. kidding me. You're they kidding. Mig- no, but they're. So I'm, getting, so, I'm so seeing they the robin from the north coming down. They yeah, and they they winter here, in for example the Netherlands, and then in summer or in in the next spring they go back up north. So, That's so amazing. they so it's not per se they all go to the same spot. Some species do. Some okay. species all go to, I don't know. Um, 
So Raptors do the same. Um, which makes this time of year, so right now when we're recording, it's the 26th of October, which mm -hmm. is sort of the peak, end of the peak of the migrating season. Uh, but it's always an interesting part of the year for birders because while migrating, uh, some species do get lost. So every now and then you'd see a rarity passing by because it just uh, you know, lost its way. Now, the reason birds migrate um, is because, um, well, in summer here, the days in the north are long. And there's an abundance of food, so they have more time during the day to feed their chicks, and there's enough food for them uh, to to feed them and raise them in a relatively short period of time. Then they go back because the food is running out here. There is an abundance of food in the south, but by the time it becomes spring here in the north again, they migrate back up north because there's a lot of a lot of concurrence in the south. They go back here. Sorry. Okay. Well, that was a great warm up. I'm I'm getting into it now. That's really helped me build a, a base there. <laughs> and are, are there many raptors in in the Netherlands? Um. Yes. I'm. Especially in migrating season, you can see a lot of uh, different species. There's uh, uh, falcons. There's hawks. There's harriers. There's uh, one eagle. No, that's not true. Actually. There's, there's two eagles breeding actually at the moment. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, and I think Mr. Forsman will do so as well, but we'll try to uh, not get all scientific on your ass right away. Well, I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy it. So, yeah. you know, don't hold back on our account, you know, me and the listeners. You know, if you want to go for it, yeah. you want to go in depth on it. No, I just also want to get to know the you know, the man behind the binoculars. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and of course I want to learn. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but I, I hope I, I just, it's also I think we'll just go along as we. Oh, as yeah, yeah. Doing right as now. we're doing that, we can all chat and we can all talk our heads off. So, um, <laughs> did your so your mother got you into bird watching? Yeah, she did. Yes. She buy you that book. No, actually, a friend of mine did. Okay. No, no, it's uh, this one was is from 2016, so. Oh, okay. I was already uh, grown up, oh, but okay. uh, no, my mother got me into it, and um, she, she, she saw that I, uh, I enjoyed it, because uh, we, I grew up in a in a little village, uh, with. Uh, it's a lovely garden, which mm -hmm. had, uh, which housed a lot of life. And, uh, so I was in the garden a lot. If I wasn't behind the piano, I was in the garden, just running around with my binoculars. Wow. Um, and, um, one day she took me to this nature reserve, which was, uh, down the road, a couple of, couple of miles down the road. And, um, then there was even more to see and to discover. And, um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll also explain it to Mr. Forsman later on. Mm. It's uh, great when you when you get something from your parents like that, an interest or a hobby. It's like it's almost feel like they're passing the baton of something. You really you get their energy to carry carry with you through life. I've found. Yeah, I'm very glad they recognized uh, my enthusiasm for it. Mm. You know, imagine they wouldn't have given me a binoculars or, yeah. you know, lended me their old binoculars. Yeah. Or imagine uh, the, she, she wouldn't have taken me to that nature reserve. You know, the, mm -hmm. that became a, a thing between my mother and my mother and I. And what yeah. about the piano? Who gave you that? Well, the piano was already there. My sister played the piano. Uh. Uh, my father played. Uh, recorder mm -hmm. i hope you will not listen to this podcast but... <laughs> no but did you so you got the music from them as well i mean you got the, the yeah, two yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so they actually my father had had hopes i would uh i would play the cello so he could he could have this classical trio oh, of, oh a string quartet yeah, in the home yeah, like yeah, fortune exactly. on concert tickets yeah <laughs> exactly but then i discovered ray charles I, so, I saw that in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then, and then, it, and then it went all AWOL from there. Mm -hmm. But you still, you can, you're still a, a conductor as well, and a, a classic room. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, I, you're, I, high, I, you're not just a simple pop artist. I mean, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't con consider myself a conductor. I, I, I've, I was an artistic leader for for an orchestra for two years, mm -hmm. um, which I really enjoyed, but they all laughed at me when I was uh, doing the <laughs> conducting. <laughs> they were all just looking at me like, what are you doing? And it was, I, bet it, and, I bet it was great fun though. It was great fun, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole, it's a technique of its okay. own. And I mean, I'm not the best reader, music reader. Right, I mean, right. I That's read, tricky. but, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I'm, I, it was every now and then I would say to the horn section, okay, now you go guys. You should be playing right you know they were like no no no. it says this and this and then I, okay no. <laughs> and that was that was, that, that. Was, that, that was children yeah talking to you like that and they were not well they were young adults so between 18 and 25 and oh, but okay. they were all conservatory highly schooled <laughs> Uh, I just thought so, it'd be like if it was twelve, if it was twelve-year-olds, that would. Just... Oh, then I would get away with. It. No, 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 I wouldn't get away with. It. So it was a lot of um, how to say it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, what's the English word? A lot of pretend. <laughs> Pre yeah, Pre how do you yeah. say it? Fake it till you make it. Oh, that... definitely. Not sure if I made it, but uh, but uh, I faked I faked it a lot. Okay, I just got a message from Dick. He's just yeah. downloading a new version of Chrome. So ah yeah, I I don't think he's done these interviews before. He told me so. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's uh, a coup to catch him. It's like a, I feel like I'm finding a, sighting a rare bird trying to talk to him. You know. It's like, <laughs> We're sitting there in the oh here is again here he is again, you know we're sitting oh. there in we're sitting there in camouflage gear, waiting for the Dick Forceman to come in. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, Hello, Dick. Yes, <laughs> <Good> <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Dick. great. <laughs> Woo! 
Now. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to be with you in the end, eventually. This was difficult, but uh, <laughs> it was an old version of Chrome I had, and it, it wouldn't allow the audio to work, so. Uh, okay. Well, uh, uh, Jack, you want to kick it off? Or you... Sure. Well, this is Ruben, the musician who's inspired to, wants to be inspired. He's inspired already. You're going to take him up a level, another to another level with this conversation, and then we're going to create a beautiful song inspired by this conversation. Well, Great. Not, not, not right now, right? We're no, no, no okay. God, Jesus. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm set up, but not that. You're ready to go. Up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sort of. So, um, uh, Mr. Forsman, I I think I owe you a bit of an explanation. Please, yes, <laughs> accepted. <laughs> Uh, so, I'm um, I'm a musician uh, based in the Netherlands, currently in Harlem, uh, and uh, I have two passions. Uh, as a young kid, I started off as a, you know behind the piano. Uh, I got infected with the Ray Charles uh, virus, uh, and I listened to a lot of jazz and I listened to a lot of pop music, and and then uh, well, that that evolved. But there was another passion as a young kid which was uh, given to me by my mother and that was birds bird watching mm -hmm. um and uh, uh that's something that never well music never left uh to be honest bird watching didn't survive puberty uh <laughs> but then uh it it uh, got back in my 20s i, I just turned 40 this year uh, and, um, uh, I have to say I'm a fanatic bird watcher. I'm not the best bird watcher. Uh, but, uh, at a certain point, your book was given to me, this one, you know, it. flight, identi <laughs> flight identification of raptors of Europe, North Africa and this in the Middle East. Um, I, I thought it would have been this one. Ah, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, I haven't got that one, I must admit. <laughs> uh, but that's a new version of the 98 uh, 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 book, right? The, no, the, this, one. The, this one that I showed you, this is, yeah. uh, this is one I wrote in Swedish in 84, and it was translated into Dutch in 93. Oh, wow. Ah, no. I did, ah, wow. Well, 93, I was... I was I know, uh, I know. <laughs> 11, um, but at a certain point, a friend of mine gave me this and ever since, uh, uh, well, you can see it's a bit, it's a bit worn. Uh, uh, I've been, you know, uh, what was the word again, uh, Jack, uh, browsing, browsing through it a lot on every, mm -hmm. uh, every, uh, silent evenings. Um, and when I was invited to make this podcast, um, I was given the opportunity to invite anyone I liked. And then I thought, well, why not Mr. Forsman? Because um, here in the Netherlands or amongst birders, and it's probably everywhere else in Europe, you're a bit of a myth, I have to admit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Glad to hear. <laughs> uh, and, a, and a beacon of information when it comes to birds but when it comes to raptors mm. as well um and 
and then I thought, well, what, what, you know, it's, it's about inspiration. Uh, nature is a big inspiration for me. The birds are a big, big inspiration for me. Uh, but I also, if we do this podcast, I also want to learn something. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that's when I thought, well, let's, why not invite Mr. Forsman if he's, uh, if he's, uh, if he's around. Uh, and also, uh, I know you're on Instagram, uh, your website, uh, latest blog is from 2019, I think. <laughs> uh, so I was also just curious. So who is the infamous, the living myth, <laughs> Mr. Dick Forsman? So that's, that's how it got to you. Okay. And well, right actually, here. and actually, I also just want to thank you for making these amazing books because they, uh, I never get bored by them. Uh, and I, uh, I learned so much from, them. even though I, I half of the birds or more than half the birds I've never seen before. So well, that's another, think... and that's another thing I want to go to Oman with you one day, but that's for, for a later cause. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have, you have plenty of years ahead of you. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure about myself. Uh, yeah, that's particular that you've been inspired by, by the books and, and by the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, um, actually I, I did write down a couple of questions, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but also I think we have to, since most of the podcast listeners are probably not that well known or not, not uh, how do you say, well informed when it comes to birds or when it comes to raptors. So I think we have to sort of, before we immediately dive into uh, the mold of a juvenile pallet harrier, uh, let's first take <laughs> a step, step at, at every step at a time. But um, what, why for you, what is, what, what, why raptors for you? I know it for myself, but. Yeah, but in my case, this is a question I'm often asked. And I cannot give an answer. It just happened. It, it's been like that all, all my life. Mm -hmm. I know uh, I've always been a keen uh, drawer. I mean, drawing and painting. Yeah. And it's always been birds. From the age of three and four, I have uh, drawings made of peacocks and then pheasants, but very soon eagles and yeah. hawks and falcons and anything. And I remember I was living then as a kid in central Helsinki, yeah, uh, downtown, the old parts of Helsinki. And I used to draw life-size eagles on the pavement with a big piece of white chalk. And the guy who was uh, sort of looking after our block, he didn't like them. So he washed them away every day, yeah. but around the corner. I had a friend living there and the guy who was taking care of their property, he was friendly. So he left them. He thought they were really nice. Yeah. These are one of the first memories I have of, of raptors. And then. And, but uh, how, how did you, how did you, I mean, as a three-year-old or a four-year-old, you, you drawing peacocks and, 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 and then quite soon raptors, you must've seen them somewhere. Did you, uh, did your parents, did your parents? No, no. Just pictures. I just saw pictures of raptors in the books. Uh, maybe a stuffed bird somewhere uh, yeah. Yeah, in a museum or, or at the zoo or something. 
but I don't have any recollection of uh, uh, something really happening in true life I know. that uh, sparkled my yeah. interest. So it, it, I can't explain why raptors, and it's always been, I mean, <clears throat> I'm interested in birds in general, of course. Yeah. And I've been on the Finnish Rarities Committee for years, and I was chair of the, and then you have to cope with all kinds of birds. Yeah. But uh, in the back of my head, raptors have always been, you know, above all other birds. Yeah. It's, it's just something I can't explain. And I, I still know today, well, today is a, a gloomy day and, and some drizzle and, and low cloud. Not today, yeah. but yesterday. I went out every day when it's nice. I go out and at this time of year, I'm trying to find golden eagles. Because yeah, that's, yeah. you know, the really well, top predators, which I really enjoy watching. And they're yeah. migrating through my part of the country now. So I'm out looking for golden eagles. Did you see any yesterday? Uh, two, yes. Oh. I went in, I have a hill with strong westerly winds. The wind hits the, the, the slope of the hill and it creates an updraft. And the eagles like to hang on this wind. You know, there's like a cushion of air blowing yeah. up in the air and they're just hanging motionless above this ridge and I'm hiding there. And, uh, and they don't know I'm there. So they sometimes they come very, very close. And mostly it's white-tailed eagles nowadays, but yeah. golden eagles every now and then, if you're lucky, you see a few. So for for uh, for the 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 listeners, you you said something uh, which is a very familiar term for me. But um, at, at this part of year, it's migrating season. Um, I was just talking to Jack and explaining to him a bit about uh, migration. Uh, but there's an interesting thing you said about the hill. Yeah, because uh, raptors are famous for soaring. Can you exactly. and 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 and. Uh, uh, the way they use the elements of wind and uh, thermal, um, how do you say it? Thermal, what's the word for Yeah, it's circle or soar. Yeah. No, but the, when uh, when heat, uh, hot air rises, which thermal. Thermic. Yeah. Thermic. Thermic. Yeah. Yeah. Thermic. Thermal. That's the word. Yeah. Thermal. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? How did they use it? What's, 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 what makes it so special? I know it for myself, but what make what makes it so special for you? Uh, well, it's migration time now, and usually thermals are created only when the sun is shining yep. and heating up the ground. Yep. And then you get hot air above the ground, which starts to rise through the, like the colder layers of air above it. Yep. Birds find these bub bubbles. They're like bubbles of hot air in, in the middle of just colder air. Yep. And as soon as they feel the hot rising air in the wings, they start to ride on the bubble, going around the edges of the bubble, going higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Now at this time of year, the sun is, you know, it's, it stays very low yeah. uh, because in Southern Finland, we are quite far north and it's not warm enough. It, it doesn't heat up the ground anymore. Yeah. So the birds have to rely on either strong winds like the eagles do. Uh, and especially they like to ride on the wind. It's like. You know, a surfer riding on a uh, on a wave. Yeah, birds ride on the on the strong winds. Yeah, and and where the wind hits a hill like this, it converts the, the angle of the hill converts the air to go straight up, and that's why the birds can hang motionless on top of this 
constantly rising flow of air. Yeah. Um, it's maybe good to say that uh, the reason they do this is because it's to save energy, basically. Exactly. They don't have to flap. They can, they can hang in this wind for an hour or more without even moving. I mean, they move the wings slightly to just compensate for the, you know, sometimes there yeah. is a gust of wind, strong gust, and then it slows down. Yeah. But they can sort of um, play with the wind because they can feel it in the wings. Yeah. And but it's because... also maybe good to say that, uh, that that's something I always find so amazing to see when you see, um, uh, for example, you were talking about the thermal, no hot air rise. Uh, Again, this is a little bit, this also for Jack, so he can keep up with it. But, um, so they circle up, especially the larger birds of prey. Mm -hmm. do, do they all do, actually, for example, because I know uh, sparrowhawks, they, that's a smaller really? size. Uh, oh, yes. <clears throat> they also soar, but for example, uh, uh, all species, it's all bird? species do it, yes. Ah, okay. I mean, some, some species are more prone to soaring. Uh, we're talking about the, the long winged birds like buzzards, yeah. eagles, and they use this, uh, when they're migrating. So they basically go up in a thermal, they reach maybe one kilometer and then they start to glide and they just glide in the direction where they're migrating until they hit the next thermal and then they go up again. So I know from studies in Israel, for instance, made uh, on, uh, uh, spotted eagles, which yeah. migrate through in you know, a few hundred thousand every, every autumn, every spring, but they rise to about 900 meters and then they start to glide, just falling all the time, of course, because there's nothing keeping them up. So they come slowly, slowly, lower, lower. And when they come to about 600 meters, uh, altitude, then they start, they find a new thermal and they go up again to about 900 or 1000. So they go like this up and gliding down, up and gliding down all the way from Europe to, well, tropical Africa. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I find the, the whole migrating in the, the, the bird migration is the most incredible uh, phenomenon, I think. There is also when we're here, here in the Netherlands, uh, there's, we don't have golden eagle, unfortunately. Well, it, it happens to, it, it passes by maybe every couple of years. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, where I live, I live in Haarlem, which is next to Amsterdam, which is uh, in the dunes. Yes. And when there's a strong easterly wind, for example, all the birds which are migrating, they get blown towards the sea, but they don't want to cross open water. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you're in the dunes and you're top of the dune, they all pass over all kinds of species and you see them, you actually see them migrate from, well, let's say Finland or Sweden or yeah. Scandinavia, all the way to tropical Africa. And you see these tiny little finches or whatever, and you see them fly over on their, on their way, which is when you zoom out, it's, a, it's the most astonishing uh, phenomenon. Today, I got a report from uh, uh, Bartild Gottwitz, I think, Hello. which is a, which is a, um, wader bird yeah. uh, uh, which traveled from alaska to i think uh new zealand yes yeah. which is 13,000 13, kilometers in 11 days without stopping now and you're talking about well how much does this bird weigh mr forsman 
I would say maybe 300 grams or something like that. 300 grams, 30,000 kilo. I mean, it's insane. Anyways, and they lose, in that slide, they lose what well, 40% of their body weight. Yeah. Because they're all stored in the, in the breast muscles and in the fat, and they're using up all the energy that they have stored during that long flight. But then they have, of course, all winter to restore those layers of uh, fat and uh, energy for the spring uh, travel up north again. Yeah. 11 days, just. Mm. Yeah, 11 what? days. So that's, uh, I don't know how fast that is, but. Uh... Well, they can make, I mean, some birds, they, they, they go very, very high up. They go to two or three kilometers and there you have the jet streams. And if they hit the right jet stream, they're just, you know, blown away in the right direction. But of course, sometimes they end up in the wrong place. I mean, on the other side of the globe where they shouldn't yeah. be because of these jet streams. But anyway, they, they aid from very high, strong and high winds. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you in advance, Jack, if you dive into the topic. It is interesting. I'm in then, then there's these little details. Well, this is not a detail, but then you got what? This is actually happening on our planet as well at the same time as we are living? Yes, but, it is. But then they find the same place every year. I mean, how much? Yes. Is that true? Uh, well, that's uh, amazing because, you know, the, the, the birds wintering in tropical Africa, for instance, in my garden, I have nest boxes uh, and pied flycatcher, one, uh, one small songbird. It's quite common breeding bird here. And the same name comes back to the same to my garden every year after having been to somewhere, the jungles in Central Africa, West Africa for the winter, they find exactly the same spot and but the same birds find exactly the same spot in the South where they're wintering, exactly the same area. So they know, they know the route, the shortest way between A and B. Tiny little birds. That's incredible. And they weigh like 10 grams. That's, that's two sugar lumps, 10 grams, two sugar lumps. (laughs) Holy moly. Yeah. So this is, this is, I've, I find migration, migration, uh, that's maybe the most spectacular part about bird watching, especially this part of year. It's, it's, uh, you know, everybody is on its wings, on its edge, you know, you're looking out for rarities or something special. Um, can, well, what, what is the, is that you, earlier you said, you, you said there is not uh, a special moment where it started off, mm. which you can remember. But if you would, uh, if is there a, a defying moment in your bird watching? I mean, everybody has these stories when you're when you're when you dove into a, a topic like this. But is there a defying moment for you where you thought this is this is it? This is. <laughs> For example, for me, I can, I, I can, I do kind of remember some of the moments as a kid. Uh, for example, seeing a, uh, a marsh harrier for the first time, uh, and since then, harriers have this special thing in my head. But I remember telling my mother, "Look, there's a marsh harrier," and she said to me, "How do you know it's a marsh harrier?" And I said, "Well, I've been, I've been reading all these books, and I was nine, maybe or ten, and I've been looking at all these books. So I knew exactly what it looked like." But um, but for example, also seeing, I, I made a trip to South Africa several years ago 
and uh, I remember seeing a black harrier, which oh, is the most most elusive, beautiful yeah. uh, raptor you can imagine. It's all black, and then underneath yeah. there's white, and uh, uh, it's 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 rare. It's uh, endangered. Uh, but it's, it's, and I, I remember standing on this hill and then it suddenly popped up and, and the sun was setting and it's still an, an, a memory of mine, which is, which, um, which uh, is, well, it's, it was very defying for me at the moment. Can you, do you have, do you, can you, do you have something like that? Well, I asked the, many, were many incidents like that in my life because, uh, Let's let's say when I was thirteen, I always wanted to to get close to these birds. Yes. Right? So when I was thirteen, I found a nest of a common buzzard. Yeah. And I one chick from the nest. I raised it all summer. You took it. Sorry, I didn't hear that. You took it. Yes, I took oh. it and I kept it as a pet, and uh, and I I released it in September when the migration started. And after that, I had several raptors. I had license to keep them uh, because I was studying biology and I, and I used um, these uh, nestlings to uh, measure the growth, yeah. you know, the things and weight and stuff like how much they were eating and so on. And I had two goshawks. I had a merlin. And uh, for instance, the goshawk was, uh, I went to, into the forest for a walk and the goshawk was free. I was walking on the path and the goshawk was following me from tree to tree to tree behind me, like 10, 15 meters behind me. Wherever I was going, the goshawk was following, just like a dog. And it was amazing to, to, to find that you can create such a relation to a bird. It's okay. People know that you can uh, relate to a dog or a cat or a horse or something like that, but the bird that is free to fly whenever it wants, it could have left me, but it was so attached to, because I was feeding it. So, you know, it, yeah. it was not flying on me. And also that one I released in, uh, in September, it was free to go. I ringed it and then it was gone. Uh, and these of course have, have given me a certain, uh, understanding for the birds of prey. And now <clears throat> with, with all the books written. Maybe I still have a few to do. Maybe I hope so, but I'm, uh, I try to get inside the head of the raptors. This is what I really want to know how they're thinking, what they're thinking, what they're planning to do next so that I can be there and waiting for them when they do the next move. Yeah. I this is something very interesting. Uh, I'm interested in as well, in a way that I have. I had um, several occasions where, you, and not like this, but you, you, where you actually can look an animal in the eye, mm -hmm. and you see more than just an animal, mm -hmm. uh, which made me realize there is, there is, um, well, there's an interesting. Uh, it's a bit philosophical, maybe, but there's an interesting. Uh, uh, movement right now. There's a non-human rights movement, which is where mm -hmm. where they say that there's such thing as a non-human person. Yes. So saying 
animals should have, or actually any living organism should have the same rights uh, on this uh, being being a user of this planet as humans do. Mm-hmm. Do you when it when this happened with the goshawk? Um, do you think there's the, the, for example, do you think they have emotion, emotion, or do you think they have character, or do you think you've seen so many? What, what, what do you? Uh, I'll say yes to, to both questions. Uh, I, I can, well, I believe I can see the difference in an animal's eyes or a bird's eyes if it if the bird is okay or if it's not okay. For instance, now with with all these uh, photographs on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pictures of lions, for instance. Yeah. And sometimes you can see when you look at the eyes of the animal that it's, well, maybe a captive animal or a pet animal. It's not a wild, free-living animal because the look in the eyes is not the same. Yeah. And, and you can say, you know, you look at, at a mouse or a squirrel, sometimes people post pictures and they say, oh, I got so close to this little mouse or, or this squirrel. And you can immediately see by the shape of the head and how the, the hair is, is raised on the forehead that this animal is not okay. And this is why the photographer got so close. And and the same with raptors. You can see how they keep the feathers, uh, how alert they are, if they are sluggish or slow or, you know, not really reacting to the, the world around them or, or um, the environment. Yeah. I think you can see that, that this, this animal, this bird is not, not okay. It's not at, at its best. It, it may be yeah. poisoned. It, it may be old or, you know, something, but you can tell. Agitated. Yeah. Well, it's agitated. You can see they, they, for instance, yeah. rats, <clears throat> when they are at peace. They fluff the feathers, they, they raise the forehead, you know, the feathers on the head, they look very round and, uh, you know, almost like a cat. And when they are alert and, and, and they're going for something, the feathers are, are pulled together. They get very sleek and they get very tense. And you can see, you know, every cell yeah. in the animal is just ready for, for doing something. Yeah. 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 It's and and how. How, how is, I mean, you, you want to get inside their heads. How, how do you want to do that? Uh, well, uh, tell you an example. I've been watching or studying rather, uh, urban goshawks in Helsinki now for about nearly urban. 10 years. Okay. Urban. Yes. So yeah. they're breeding in the park here. Yeah. So, so just for the listeners, a goshawk is a forest, usually a forest living raptor, extremely fast. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh, what can we say about it? It's, uh, well, it, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's next to the golden eagle, the goshawk. They are the most rapacious raptors. Yeah. 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 They really, they are real killers. That's the shark of the woods. <laughs> All their size, they go for big animals and the goshawk is so fast and it's so, I mean, it's, it's just like dynamite. Yeah. And, and the female weighs about. 1.2, 1.3 kilos, and the male is just around one kilo, slightly under. So it's it's not a small bird. And uh, I used to study them in the 70s in the forests around here where I live. And in those days, 
the Gosok was persecuted. It was shot legally and they were extremely shy. So when I went to the nests to ring the chicks, I hardly ever saw the, the adults, the male and the female, because they were, as soon as they heard that humans are coming, they, they moved away from the nest. Uh, and I wanted to photograph them then, but it was impossible because they were so shy. And now since say uh, 2000, uh, they, they started to come into, uh, human settlements into villages and it, it, mostly in, inside Helsinki, really. Why and do you think that is actually? Helsinki is the capital of, uh, no, no. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, the, there's uh, two explanations. One is they they got protection in the middle of the seventies, so people were not allowed to shoot them anymore, and so they were left in peace, more or less. And the other thing is that with the forestry we're having in Finland, all the old forests are being cut down uh, at a terrible pace now. So the goshawks don't have forests to build the nests in and in the forests, which still remain the, the, there is not enough food for them. You know, all the big animals that they used to hunt are gone. Yes. And whereas the cities are full of food for them. There's pigeons, there is rats, there is thrushes, there's, you know, jackdaws, magpies, crows, all sorts of medium-sized birds, which are just made for goshawks. So. They, they lost. It's a bit like, uh, how peregrines also adapt to yeah. cities. Yeah, exactly the same, but we don't have the peregrines. We just have the gospel. Uh, yeah. And there's now maybe between... <laughs> I see, I see Jack going peregrine that peregrine is, I'm uh, making notes here. I'm going to Google them all later. <laughs> okay. If you have questions, if it goes to Jack, you have to, you have to, okay. yeah, sorry. You were saying Mr. Forsman. Yeah, they, they're, so the population of these urban goshawks is now more than 50 pairs in a rather small uh, restricted area. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've been following, uh, say, in the beginning, a sort of a dozen of pairs, and now I've cut it down to half a dozen because I want to know the individuals. And I know the males. I mean, I know grandpa. I know his son and his grandson. When they all return to start to breed somewhere because these these birds are being marked, right? So I can call them individually. So do they also uh, migrate? Are they going? No, they're, they're staying. They, they're resident. So they stay in Helsinki around the year. Sure. Uh, but of course the young birds, uh, which, uh, are raised during the summer, they have to leave because the parents won't tolerate them once they are fully grown in September, usually August, September, they are kicked out from their home territory. <laughs> They are flying around in the southern part of Finland, trying to find their own territory. But, but during this work, uh, I've, uh, sort of, um, been able to get inside the head of a goshawk. I, so when I'm watching it, when it's perched somewhere, uh, I can see by its behavior that soon something is going to happen and where it is going and what it, what it is doing. Uh, it's been really interesting. I mean, I've spent hundreds of hours, uh, even per year, uh, at these territories, just, you know, from morning till midday or from midday to, to the evening, just watching and, and, uh, following the male because the female stays on the nest all the time. Uh, 
male is doing all the hunting. So he hunts for himself. He yeah. hunts for the female. And then when the chicks hatch, he hunts for them. Are, so he are, hunts for the whole family. Are they actually monogamous? Well, this is interesting. Yes. You, you have one big uh, goshawk uh, researcher in uh, Holland, in the Netherlands. Wait, what's uh, his name? Uh, Bilesman. Rob oh. Bilesman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he's, he knows everything about raptors in, in Holland. And um, I haven't been in touch with him for years now, but I wanted to ask if he knows of any cases where goshawks would have been polygamous, meaning that one male has uh, more than one female or a female has more than one male. Yeah. And actually, I have one male uh, which is called Rambo. Well, rest in peace, Rambo, because he's not with us anymore. Yeah, yeah. I followed him for seven years through his best years of life. And then probably the bird flu took him one year ago yeah, yeah. in 21. And um, he's, he, he had two females in three consecutive years. He raised two broods at the same time. At the same time? Yes. So that's interesting. And that is probably the first time in history that this has been proved. I photographed him at two nests with two different females and both females raised chicks. And so he has been hunting for two families, actually. You were busy. He how, must do you, have... <laughs> how do you follow birds through a city? I mean, are you on a bicycle or is it, they're up? Because they can go into different places you can't go and they're up above buildings. You lose track of them. I mean, follow them everywhere. Uh, and it's very rare, although the, the city is full of goshawks, it's very rare to see them actually hunting, actually going for a prey or, or to, to see or witness a kill. Because most of the, the time this happens maybe one kilometer from the nest or, you know, in somebody's backyard or you, you can't get there. But sometimes they're hunting very close to the nest and then you can see how this hunt actually happens. Because uh, if you read the literature, it says that, that the goshawks don't hunt near the nest. And it's said that, that they leave the birds or animals around the nest for the chicks. When the chicks are fledged, they can sort of practice on the animals close to the nest. But I've seen several times the male goshawk going for a squirrel or a blackbird, usually. But just... That's... But that's just from the nest. But in the city, yes. So that yeah. could be that could be a shift in in behavior, uh, living in the city. It could be absolutely. There is so much food uh, yeah, yeah. in the. I mean, blackbirds nowadays are everywhere. Every yeah. park is full of blackbirds. Yeah, and and that, they are very popular among um, folks. And of yeah. course, in summer, you have the. The fledgling thrushes. We have field fares, red wings, and and uh, blackbirds breeding in the parks in in the city. Yeah, and uh, in early June or mid June, the park is just full of these fledglings, which have just left the nest, but which are not capable of flying. Uh, you know, you just oh. go and pick back. You don't have to hunt; you just go and take them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want. I want. I want to move on a bit on a on a on a different topic which you are yeah. an expert about and that's mold yeah <laughs> especially when it comes to, when it comes to uh raptors um maybe for the listener we first have to explain what mold is 
Mm. Uh, shall I do it? Or Go ahead. You're the expert. <laughs> uh, so molt is that uh, birds change their feathers because, uh, you know, um, they, uh, how do you say it? They, they wear off. Basically. Yeah, they wear. Yeah. They wear <clears throat> Uh, and they do this every year, and every species does that in a different in a different way. For example, ducks do that uh, basically at the same time. Uh, they go to a safe place somewhere in open water. They change their feathers, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Mister Forrester. Uh, yeah, um, it's the flight feathers. I mean, the wing, the big wing feathers. They lose at at one. At yeah, yeah. One. So that so that means they. For example, ducks can't fly for a short period of time, so they have to be safe. Um, raptors, or let's put it like this, the bigger raptors, like the eagles, they mm -hmm. do it uh, uh, actually constantly. Um, and there's a very interesting thing, which is in your book. Uh, mold is basically the the key to identif identification and uh, of, of raptors. Am I correct? Yes. Well, for me, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also key to aging. Yes. Even more. Yeah. Um, can you, can you, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it true that you are actually the one who sort of found out uh, how mold and aging uh, and identify identification of of raptors uh, can be told by molds. Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, of course, uh, can you no. follow, Jack? I'm I'm doing okay. Thank you. Okay, cool. So there are always people who have come before us, and also in my case, yeah. and, and this guy was a Swedish. Uh, he worked at the which is the Rijks Museum of uh, Sweden in Stockholm. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I had tracked my first rough-legged buzzard in my life in 1975. I went to the museum to try and sort out, you know, the age of the bird, because we have photographs of it, the age and the sex of the bird. If, if I could say anything more than that it's it was a rough-legged buzzard. So I went to the museum and as I, where I had been going regularly, so they knew me there. And uh, at this time, this, this Swedish guy, Karl Edelstam, was there looking at uh, white-tailed eagles, skins of white-tailed, I mean, yes, stuffed skins of white-tailed eagles. And he told me straight away that it was a young rough-legged buster. <clears throat> and then what he showed me which was the most important thing was how to go through the feathers in a wing. You know, if, if you think of a, of a museum specimen, it's like, um, like, uh, uh, Egyptian, uh, king in a sarcophagus, <laughs> the wings are like this and, uh, you can't open anything. It's just like, uh, I, I, I don't know, like, a. <laughs> Uh, yes, exactly. Because it's been dried. Yeah. But he showed me how to go through the wings, uh, sorry, the feathers in a wing one by one so that you can check which feather, the condition of the different feathers. So what, then, do, the, what do the feathers tell us? Can you, can you elaborate that? Well, the, the thing is that <clears throat> uh, 
in these big raptors, they, the feathers are so long, so they cannot grow out all the feathers in one go because raptors need to fly. They, they cannot be like ducks or swans swimming on a lake and, and feeling happy. If they lose their ability to fly, they, they're dead. So they have to keep, keep the flying ability through this molting period. And these large birds, uh, eagles and vultures, have such long feathers, they can be 60, 70 centimeters, one feather. And it, it grows roughly at one centimeter per day. So just to replace one feather takes like two months. So they couldn't replace all the feathers in one season. And especially here in Northern Europe, where you have winters, uh, you, you cannot molt during the winter. All the molting is done during the summer, uh, half year. So from say May to October, something like that. So what they have done is that they, they just molt a few feathers per year, roughly half of the wing feathers they can manage. And, uh, this means that if you look at a wing, open a wing like this, you can see that there are feathers which are fresh, new ones from this season. And then there are old feathers which are worn and faded and look really, the, the condition is quite bad. So it's easy to tell uh, this year's feathers from previous year's feathers. And uh, various species molt them. I mean, all the eagles and, and vultures molt them more or less uh, following the same uh, sort of basic idea. Yeah. But of course, the golden eagles breeding in Spain have a longer summer than the golden eagles breeding yeah, yeah. in Scandinavia. So there are small geographical differences. Yeah, yeah. Basically, once you know uh, the way how these feathers are replaced, you can say that, you know, a juvenile, which was born this summer, has all the feathers are exactly the same age yeah. because all the feathers were grown in the nest. Yeah. Whereas one bird that was born the year before has already replaced some feathers. And when you know where these feathers are supposed to be, you can say that, okay, this is one year old. And then the molt moves a little bit further on for the next generation. Yeah. And as a two year old bird, <clears throat> the molt fronts are in different places to the mold fronts on the birds from the previous year. So, yeah. so you can actually many species like the large vultures and eagles, you can tell up to four or five different age classes, just based on feathers. Count fresh feathers and old feathers and even older feathers. Yeah. How, I mean, you were just starting to get into that, I think, but how did you, how do you find something out like that? I mean, you must have taken then th thousands of pictures to, 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 to. There was no pictures in those days, mind you, there was no digital cameras and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> so what I did, I was, I went to museums. Yeah. I went to natural history museum in London yeah. and I went to Copenhagen, Stockholm, Helsinki, uh, just for the raptors. And, uh, I went through the, well, every single skin. I, I was not interested in juveniles because nothing is happening. They are not interesting. Uh, so I was looking through all the others. And then I had, um, I had a, a, a four sheet yeah. with, uh, uh, where I could mark down 
the condition of each feather in the wing and say, uh, uh, for instance, a white-tailed eagle has 10 primaries yeah. and 17 secondaries. Okay. Primaries and mark down the condition of them. Yeah. I have to, I have to just for, for, for Jack and, and, and listeners. So primaries, so the wing is, um, how do you say it? Uh, uh you, you like our arm. Later, it's like our arm. And then the primaries are on the outside of the arm. There's a, on there's the head. Like the head. Okay. Yeah. They are attached to the hand, actually, the primaries. Yeah. And the secondaries are attached to the arm. Okay. So that's, so that is just to, to, this is a very, very technical, if you're a non-birder, you're probably going like, what? <laughs> but, uh, but that was, sorry. To the photography. Now we come to the photography part because after digital, this revolution of digital photography, for instance, when I'm out looking at the eagles now, I'm trying to photograph every individual because now I can, from the photographs, look at these feathers, which are yeah. molted and which are retained old feathers. And I can age the birds uh, just by the photographs. I don't have to catch them anymore or go to the museums. Yeah. yeah. And, and why is, what's, what's, why is aging so important? Well, to me, <clears throat> this is an interesting question, I think, because if you look at all the migration hotspots today around the world, People are counting birds. Yeah, so a migration hotspot, sorry, just very quickly, there are certain geographical points on the globe where uh, all migration comes together um, uh, and where you can see a lot of birds. Sorry, yes. Yeah, it's, it's funneled. So for instance, when you go from North America, birds fly to South America to winter, they pass the Panama. And Panama is very narrow. It's a narrow strip of land between two oceans. And all the birds are funneled over Panama, so you can have a million birds there in no time. And because they don't, because they don't want to cross open water. Too. They don't cross the ocean. They don't want to cross the sea. These big soaring birds. And in Europe, we have, uh, uh, well, we talk about Gibraltar, but basically it's Tarifa, which is the southernmost town in Spain, and it's only fourteen kilometers across the Gibraltar Strait to Africa. That's one place. Another one goes across Sicily and Malta and down to Africa, and, or then around the Med through Istanbul and Israel yeah. and the Middle East <clears throat> and so forth. So at these places, people are counting these raptures year after year. And of course, Falsterbo in, in Southern yeah. Sweden is also a hotspot like that. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and they're counting. So they come to common buzzards, they come to honey buzzards, they come to short-toed eagles and so on. And what I had tried to, well, propose at these sites is that they should have at least one guy who is knowledgeable or has a good camera to photograph these birds, which come close enough so that, that they could separate the different age classes and the sexes of these birds, yeah. because it can be done by these books. Yeah. And, um. In Sweden, this was done based on this, uh, the, the, the first, this book, uh, I wrote it in Swedish in 84, and this book was used at Falsterbo and one guy made his PhD thesis on the rectal vibration at Falsterbo, yeah. uh, splitting up these, uh, migrating raptors into age classes and sexes. 
and he could see what I would like to see from other places that uh, juveniles migrate at a different time from adults. And among adults, you may have males migrating at a different time from females. And you would get much more information. Now we're just looking at, at general figures. We saw 1 million uh, common buzzards this year, and we saw 800,000 last year. So this could be just a wind factor or something affecting the numbers. It's, it's nothing real. But if you know that this year of all common buzzards, 70% were juveniles, and last year only 30% were juveniles, you know that something has happened in the breeding area that you know maybe it was a bad season for bones or something, but you get much, much more information. So it's, it's more than just... Hey, nice to know that it's a juvenile uh, or a second year uh, golden eagle or whatever. Yes. You can actually tell how the population is doing as well. And that is important nowadays. I think that's much more important than knowing that there was 1,000 sparrowhawks in one day and yeah, yeah. 100 the next day. Yeah. But if you know the sexes and the ages of the birds, then you can say actually say something about the, the, the state of the population, at yes. least much more than we can now. Yeah. And also the direction which it, in which it's going. For example, if you have 70% juveniles, you know, it has been a good year. Exactly. Or, exactly. The, or which probably is more often happening the other way around. It has been exactly. a bad year. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is, they have, of course, they, at Falstabu in Sweden, they've done these counts since the late forties, I think, or something like that. So they have a very, very long series of uh, results, yeah. more or less in the same way from year to year. And, and, and most show that, uh, you know, several species are declining fast or, and steadily. Honey buzzard, rough-legged buzzard, and others are increasing like, uh, well, pallid harrier, of course, and uh, peregrine falcon and so on. So they're... Losers and winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I know the answer. But would you could you name any uh, reasons why, for example, why uh, numbers are declining or going up for a certain species? Well, for we know that rough-legged buzzards and hen harriers are coming down. Yes, and it is probably linked to. Uh, the voles and the lemmings in northern Scandinavia. In the past, when I was a kid, and still when I was ringing in the 70s and 80s, there used to be a, a three, four-year cycle. So we have a good year for voles and lemmings, and they're everywhere. And raptors breed and have like five or six chicks. And then the next year, the population of the voles comes down and even lower down, and you have a very bad year, and, and they're not breeding at all. But then again, after a few years, there will be a new peak and they raise again, big uh, roots. But now since, uh, well, the nineties, I think, or yes, in the nineties, this, this pattern broke up, it broke down really. So there is no, uh, regular three, four year fluctuation. And they've noticed the same in North America where they had uh, regularly 10 year fluctuations in, uh, ptarmigan and uh, snowshoe hare populations. Yeah. This affected the goshawks and, and golden eagles and so on. Yeah. And also this system has broken down. So, so they haven't had like proper goshawk migrations in, in North America no. for like 10 years or, or even more. Yeah. 
Well, and this could be attributed to the climate change. Yeah. Because these, uh, these small rodents, the wolves and the lemmings, they need a thick layer of snow and steady yeah. conditions during the winter to, to cope. And now we have the winter may come in November, but then it starts to rain and it rains for two weeks and the snow goes and, it, and then it freezes and all the tunnels are filled with water and they freeze over. And then you get the snow, you know, it's, it's coming and going in the winter. And this is not good for the small mammals. Yeah. I find it very interesting to, to, to see your research in aging. Aging. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> how uh, that is connected uh, in so many ways to, for example, and so how you can, so you can see how they're doing that has to do with lack of food, which mm -hmm. has to do uh, with uh, climate change. So um, it's so, well, I find it very interesting to see it, it's, it, to see it in the bigger picture, simply. Uh, 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 worrying, worry, worrisome, worrying, but yeah, very interesting as well. Um, uh, how it's all connected with something for you, Jack. It's it, that also, you know, everything, every topic we talk about is just a you know, like the migrating, the 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 the, the molds, the aging, the everything. These are all very small parts in this system we have. Uh, but if one of those things change or it, the whole system, it goes corrupt. Maybe that has to be for the song then. Maybe that has to, could be, <laughs> yeah. Cause we're yeah. thinking about that in our back, the back of our minds about yeah. How, yeah, to, how to tie this all together. Cause it's such a huge subject. I mean, we're just, it's massive, it's yeah. massive but it's very nice to have all these, you know, mm -hmm. words like you know, just when we connect it to a song, by the way, sorry, but if you use words like peregrine, harrier, feather, molt, uh, migration. These are all great words for songwriting. Yeah. What rhymes with molt? molt. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. fault. Whose fault? <laughs> yeah. so, um, originally, when I wrote these books, I thought that uh, uh, they, I would have liked to see them as tools. Yes. In ecological uh, research or, you know, so that people, I, I was hoping that the books would open the eyes for people to look uh, more deeply into yeah, these problems. Yeah. I remember, for instance, in 1982 was a very good year for lemmings and wolves in Northern Finland. And uh, I was up there ringing chicks and the broods were like five, six chicks and, and uh, really record numbers. Uh, I ring myself uh, that year, never ring more, not before or after. And in 83, we started to track raptors on migration here in Southern Finland. So we were, we had a station where we following the American, uh, their methods, we were trapping birds flying over and that autumn we trapped quite a lot of rough-legged buzzards. Yeah. How do, trap, how do you trap a black bird flying over? You can't tell it nowadays anymore. <laughs> ah, okay. It's it's not it's not allowed anymore. Well, we used we used live pigeons, but we had a leather jacket on them so that they wouldn't you know, be hurt by. Oh, they look the, cool. 
come with the clause yet. Uh, anyway, that, that uh, autumn 83, we trapped quite a few rough-legged buzzards, uh, which hadn't been trapped in Finland really before because there was no method of trapping them. And that year, almost every rough-legged buzzard was from the 82 continent. So uh, there were one-year-old birds. It just shows that, you know, if just our trapping result would have shown that 82 must have been a good breeding year because so many one-year-old birds turned up in 83. Yeah. And this, this is like uh, uh, the kind of results I would like to see from uh, migration hotspots and, and uh, ringing stations also. Yeah. Um, just just quick, uh, uh, the, the, for Jack, the, the migrating hotspots, did, did, you, did you get that? Because that's quite essential. Where they go through like Panama and they because of the yeah exactly so you the you can, there's there's you can see a large area there there's certain points you can actually point out on the map knowing if the weather is right this is where the birds are going to cross and that'd, be, that'd be a great holiday destination for you yeah oh that that's not just for us for many so <laughs> there's so if you would uh, for example Fosterbo which is the southern tip of Sweden. Yeah. Well, the next stop is Denmark, but they 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 want to cross as little water as possible because it's not as safe. So if you st uh, stand there, look up, you'd see everything fly over wow. because they're just forced into this funnel. Hmm. I just wanted to make sure you 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 got that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Forsman. Oh, <laughs> Nancy. Explanations. Sorry. Clear. It's nice to hear good and clear explanations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I must admit, I'm also constantly thinking, oh, shit, I, don't, I hope I don't say anything extremely stupid. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, actually, I, I had one, one last question, but it's... It, well, no. I can talk to for to you for hours. I must admit, uh, but actually, what there was a thing which I was interested in. What what do you think we can learn from a species like raptors, from from a golden eagle? From but you already sort of answered that. What what is it? What's well, I, I thought, it's a bit vague that question. I know I understand. Yeah, well, but I I think. Uh, Many of the raptor species are, uh, I don't know the, the exact term in English, but talking about like an umbrella species. Yeah. So uh, if something happens to this species, it tells that something has happened to the other species below it. Yeah. You know, so raptors are relying on, well, pristine forest in the case of goshawks or uh, certain animals. Yeah like the rough-legged buzzards or, or the golden eagle here or... or uh... So if we can see changes in the populations of these raptors, we should be concerned because there's something wrong. Something is, is not right. Yeah. Uh, like I, I have a, a problem here in Finland with the golden eagles because most of the golden eagles I see at the breeding sites or I see pictures of at the breeding sites are not adult birds. Right. And 
Uh, wait a second. The, the, most of the golden eagles you see at breeding sites are not adult birds. So they're not breeding. No, they do breed. But they, you know, I'm talking about birds with white patches. Uh, yeah, dark. Yeah. An adult golden eagle is just basically dark. Yeah. And young birds have these big white clashes in, in the primaries. Yeah. And when you go to these nests, you often see one or both birds showing still quite a lot of white in the wings. And this is not how it should be. So in a, in a steady population, uh, the birds should be adults because it's a long-lived bird. It can live 30 years or more. So they should be old birds. But... Why yeah, are they not? Why are they not old birds? Because the old birds are shot. They yeah. are killed illegally. Up in the in the northern part of Finland, there is a conflict between the people who own the reindeers and golden eagles because golden eagles take reindeer calves. And the same problem is in Norway and Sweden as well in the northern parts where we have reindeer husbandry. They, the reindeer husbandry and golden eagles don't go together. Yeah. An eagle could take okay. a whole, down a whole reindeer. Yes. I mean, young, young reindeers. Uh, there are documented cases of golden eagles killing in October a young reindeer, which by then weighs about 20 or 30 kilos. Wow. So it's like a big <laughs> dog or well, heavier than a big dog. So a golden eagle, as I told you, it's a real killer. <laughs> it is. Usually they eat hares and uh, grouse, like black grouse or capercaillie, which capercaillie in itself can weigh five, six kilos. But then small reindeer cows, when they're born in, uh, in spring, early spring, often on the snow, and they can be very bad shape, and they would probably die uh, just from the cold or because of they're in, in bad condition. The golden eagles go for these. And uh, so they are not liked. And this is my explanation to why we have so many non-adult golden eagles in the breeding population. And these are inexperienced birds, so they don't raise chicks like adults would do. They're inexperienced hunters, so they can't feed the chicks. So the population Declines. is not doing well. I mean, they can say that they have 200 breeding pairs, but this is, you know, this is not the truth. This is not this. The... This is something new to me. Um, and I'm intrigued by it because when is, for example, golden eagle, when is it ready to mate? And when, when is it, when is it? Because uh, I would expect them to be uh, sexually active by the time they're uh, uh, adult? No, much, much, much sooner. Like ah, okay. in uh, Holland, you have white-tailed eagles now. Yeah. And, and they can start, uh, they form pairs usually already when they are two or three years. Ah, old. okay. Okay. But the success is very, very low. low. They, they may build a nest, but they can't maybe, maybe they lay eggs, maybe not. They can't incubate them properly. Even if the egg hatches, they can't take care of the chicks and so on. So, so it is in a way normal behavior, except for the fact that they're uh, the 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 they're not successful. Exactly. Yeah, and and the thing should be that you know golden eagles can live to up to thirty years or more. So of course, when they are say about ten years old, they are experienced. They are adults. Yeah, yeah. They look 
like adults. And that's how they should be. Yeah. And there is a study actually from Scotland, two different populations of golden eagles. One golden eagle population was in an area where they are managing the grouse moors for shooting. You know, it's a big thing in all, sorry, in Scotland yeah. to go out to the moors and shoot grouse yeah. Yeah, yeah. and big, big money involved. And, and these gamekeepers, they get rid of everything, protein, ravens, eagles, harriers, everything that's uh, intruding on these uh, grouse moors. And then there is another area which has red deer. Yeah which uh, the eagle doesn't go on. So the eagles are left alone in that area. And they were comparing these two populations. And in the red deer area, the golden eagles were adults. All the adults, I mean, they were marked birds. Yeah. They were alone. Whereas in the grouse area, they were immature birds, like our Finnish birds with white flashes in the wings. So Inexperienced birds. So it's, it's, it happens everywhere. Well, at least in these places, always when there is a conflict between an animal and uh, us humans, yeah, yeah. we take the right in our hands and decide yeah. how this be dealt with. And that, not. that's also where we come back to the, the, to the non-human rights movement, actually, where this is, uh, I think, uh, actually one of the biggest problems in uh, the, 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 the fight we have for bio, biodiversity and, and climate change is that we have the knowledge, we have the, the actually we have the financial means, we have, we have, we have all the techniques, but the biggest step we have to take is a, is a, is a philosoph philosophical that we have to, like you said, we, we decide for the gold of the eagles, whether to live or not and where they live or not. Uh, and, and I think this should be at the base of, of, uh, the whole, how do you say it? Crisis we're facing. Mm. That this is a philosophy, major philosophical change we should have within, throughout the whole humanity. Actually. Uh, anyways, but, um, you know, you, you know, the saying money talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> And I think this is the ultimate reason for all this that's happening in, uh, on the planet just now. It's greed. Yes. It's greed. It's money. Money talks and nothing is enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter how much money you have, you always want more. Yeah. And this is what cuts down the forests. This is what, uh, takes down the eagles from the sky. This is what kills the wolves and the brown bears and the lynxes. Yeah. It's conflicts. And often there's money behind. Nevertheless, I do want to, I want to, I want to try to, because I, I don't know, Jack, how, how uh, time-wise, uh, okay. Oh, good. Yeah. As long as you need. Ah, okay. Because there's a, I have a little bit of time frame uh, with three screaming kids at home. <laughs> um, so. Um, would you call yourself hopeful or optimistic or pessimistic or how do you see the future? I have to say I'm very pessimistic. I, I'm, I've been, I've been a lot to Africa. Yeah. 
40, 50 times uh, down to, <clears throat> well, Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. And just looking at the situation and the life of the humans there. Yeah. Makes me very, very worried. Yeah. That one part. And the other part is, is this greed I'm talking about in Europe and in the so-called civilized world. Yeah. That nothing is enough and, and that we're stripping the globe from, you know, everything that's worth yeah. money. Anything that you can sell is for sale. Yeah. And uh, I can't see that, that the humanity would change in this respect. So um, um, I hate to say, but, but it's, uh, I can't be optimistic. No. Uh, it's Tons, good. You say, uh, I song, man. So we're going to put my <laughs> key here. <laughs> No, but I mean, uh, I, I asked this question knowing this would probably be your answer. Um, and uh, for myself, I want, I want to be very optimistic. You have to be because of your age. And, and I have to be because of my age. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, well, and also I think I have to be because... Um, uh, I don't want to sit around and mope, and I'm not. I'm not saying you're sitting around and mope, not at all. Uh, but uh, it, uh, I have to be optimistic because it keeps me going. Because it keeps me, you know, it keeps me, you know. Um, people will listen to this podcast and think, "Hey, I never knew this about raptors or birds or anything." They will be interested, and they'll hopefully they'll change their opinions about it a little bit, or listening through music or whatever, and. Um, involved in all kinds of uh, projects uh, but uh, I know I am I am a bit naive uh, and it's uh, it's uh, uh, people want to hear the the, 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 the the hopeful stuff of course people also people also have to well, well. sorry Jack can cut out all these. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I think it's also important to see the see the real picture. Well, I guess the you know the sadness comes from you seeing the change, you know, because you've, you know, if you go out there today and you see a golden eagle, it's beautiful and it's stunning, you know. But then you've seen the whole change. You've been to Africa so many times and you've seen the, seen how it could be. So you you know how it should be. Yeah. Well, and, and also it's in the details. Once you're more and more informed, the thing. You just told about the golden eagles that the the young birds are now in charge of the new generation, which they're not capable of of, 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 of doing. Uh, a lot of people would not see that. You see right. that. Yeah. 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 yeah and uh, I mean, thinking of Africa, uh, I've been to Ethiopia about sixteen or seventeen times during twenty years. Yeah. And. Uh, just looking at the change in one country in Africa. Okay, that's one of the countries with the biggest population and the, the, the growth, population growth also. Yeah. Just comparing uh, the changes from one year to the next or another two years. Uh, you know, when Chinese come in and, and Indian come in and big money from the world comes in and changes everything, the whole lifestyle of the country. Yeah, uh, it's it's so sad. I can't go back there anymore. 
Yeah. And all forests have, have disappeared, and not because of people needing firewood, but because of the government coming in illegally and cutting, and the money, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. the money's going into private pockets. But also in, in Finland, now all the, the forest management is comes from Finland, all the Absolutely. ideas people have of many forests are managed by Finnish companies and all around yeah. the world, I think. And yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's really sad. And I'm, I'm ashamed of, uh, of the state of my own country, uh, yeah. but there is, I mean, there, of course there is a opposition against all this, but again, it's money thoughts and they're building bigger factories. Yeah. 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 Well, on that happy note, keep it to the rafters. Yeah, <laughs> give it to the rafters. Um, I think I have asked you a lot of questions, and I could talk to you for hours. And I wish I we could meet somewhere. Maybe we should. I well, I would. I would <laughs> love to. Uh, I you you uh, you told me about your hideout on that hill where the golden eagles fly by well that sounds like the most romantic place i want to uh, there is on the on the planet um but uh i i, I really want to thank you for for for, for taking your time yeah, and uh, okay. elaborating on a bit of your past and a bit of your knowledge and a bit of your opinion and uh it, it has been uh, an absolute honor thank you well, thank you very much, and I'm uh, delighted to have been, if I've been to any help. Uh, for... Absolutely. Even if the song is shit, I have a, <laughs> I had a great day. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's going to be a shit song. <laughs> well, I've been, I've had a good time watching the bird. I'm watching the watchers. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. As far, if you're if you're not into bird watching, or birds or bird watcher nature. watching is now a new sport yeah I just definitely it. I, yeah. I it's it's a it's a it's a whole new world no but like i said in the beginning once you 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 there's so much more behind a yeah, bird yeah yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's no, a whole, really. whole whole life a whole world behind i'm inspired if people want to spot the elusive dick forceman are you doing any other podcasts or are you you have an instagram how can people follow you get more uh, of uh, I, I'd rather stay mythical than hiding. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, if they want to know more about Dick Forsman, they should buy his books. So, uh, I'm, I'm just going to do some, uh, some, 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 some uh, advertising for you. Yeah. Uh, th so this, the flight identification of raptors. That's, uh, that's. I would say that's a bit uh, next level uh, 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 birding, but the one before raptors of Europe and the Middle East is uh, is a, a an amazing introduction to 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 all the raptors we have here in Europe. I would say so. To all who is to to whom is concerned now, how do you say it? To all who is to, to, to everyone who, interested, yeah, whoever wants. to everyone interested. And I'm gonna say it out loud, Mr. Forsman. I hope you uh, agree with this. By his shit. <laughs> thank you ruben <laughs> and is, is there another book you're working on uh, well i'm definitely going to write something on these goshawks which i know individually and their family trees and and the whole story and it's there's a lot of good stories around those and 
And as I said, I've been a lot to Africa and I think, uh, something needs to be done about the identification of African raptors. And I've been working on that for years mm. and now it's time to, to put pen to paper. And, uh, I mean, finally, I mean, I've been writing bits and pieces on it for years, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be a bit thicker than this one, I think. No, no, no. It, it's going to be something that you can put in your pocket when you go to Africa. Oh, serious. Mm. And also, uh, this one that you're showing, uh, you can get, uh, on your phone, on your smartphone, you can get oh, serious. Uh, yeah. It's, a, it's an app now. Yeah. Well, it's not an app, but it's, uh, like you can buy, it, get the Kindle version or it's here. That's, I don't know. If... I can't see it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. So I don't have to carry this around all the time. Maybe better. <laughs> What is better with this version? I don't know. Can you? Yeah. You, yeah. You can actually zoom in the picture. And oh. Details which you can't oh, do. That's, that's amazing. Can you show that picture once more? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't say what it is. Uh, very good. There. Oh, this is just the underwing. So I, I, I can't, I can't, a little bit more up. Oh God. Yeah. Those Harriers is the yeah, hardest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, I don't say it. Uh, can you turn it a little bit? Well, I get the glare from the lights. Uh, uh, ah, okay. This. Okay. Uh, but I don't see, I don't see a color. I do see a color. Then it's a, I would say a palette. Right. Don't juvenile, ju 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 juvenile palette. <clears throat> It is an adult female. Oh, belly. oh it's the adult female. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a there are streaks on the belly. Oh, sorry. I well, thought it's hard it was to see. I mean, it's difficult conditions. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to give you that one. Thanks for saying Very good. <laughs> All right. What about, a what about a documentary? That could be an idea as well. I know Ruben's just made a fantastic documentary. I'm going to send you the link after the show. And uh, oh, yeah. If you could get together right. for a, for a follow up. Yeah. Oh, oh, that would be uh, lovely. Yeah. We, but then we should go to Southern Spain in Tarifa because the food is excellent. The coffee is excellent. The wine is excellent. <laughs> and the bird is superb. <laughs> I, I, let's shake hands on that. I'll, yeah. uh, I, I'm quite sure my uh, girlfriend and my three kids will understand. Uh, Long. Oh, yeah, that, definitely. Actually, my middle, my middle, my middle one, my six-year-old, he actually, I'll show you. One day I opened it. This was a couple of years ago. One day I opened it and I saw all these. <laughs> and I was like, what? But they, they actually, they, 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 my middle one, six-year-old, he, he, he's going already through this book. It's amazing. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So I'd love to join you there. Yeah, so well, keep in touch. Please, let's let's yeah. uh Jack. Do yeah, I'll, I'll connect you up. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Well, this is wonderful. Thanks so much, Jake. It's really, really enjoyed this. Well, that's so, you, Jack. So did I. All uh, right, I'll stay I'll stay on the call with you for a minute, uh, Ruben, just to okay. wrap I'll it up. All right, cool. Take thank care. you so thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. Bye, Cheers. Guys. Cheers.
Oh, well, thanks, Ruben, so much. Uh, your enthusiasm really made that for me. If I was just chatting to him by myself, I not, oh, you kind of carried me into that. And I was, uh, I rode your wave. Ah, uh, thanks, man. Thanks. It was, it was, I loved it. I could have, I, 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 I would, I'm a bit speechless. I, I, he's, I want to be him. Well, you <laughs> you could, I'm sure he's delighted. He'd like to take you on one of his trips. Uh, yeah. And you know, the good thing about going with a, with a guy like that is, they know all the best coffee stops. They know all they've done. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, as I said, where the best wine is. He's kind of, you know, he's uh, he rounded off the edges of every trip. So, yeah, yeah you, you couldn't pay for a guide like that. So um, I'll definitely uh, hook you up. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, it was an absolute delight. Yeah. So thank and then, you so much. Well, we have to do a song now. You're inspired. and uh, Yeah. So what's the plan for that? Well, just usually I kind of go away myself and write something. And then you write something. I'll send it to you. You can use it as inspiration. You can maybe take a melody line from it or a bit of a chorus. Um, and then if you come up with something, send it back and forth. We can always do like a co-write session on Zoom again if we need to do something. And then we can just let it grow together. And, uh, you yeah. know, I've got a production team here as well. We can we can add on some instrumentation. And I mean, I love your sound. So you know, uh, well, it'd be nice to add something. It would, be, it would be great. Brilliant. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so I'll I'll await your. Uh, so we should start ping ponging. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's best to do it now when you're fresh. I mean, obviously you've got to go to your kids now, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you're still going to stay high for a few days from this, so I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Jack, no. for uh, for 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 having. Me. My pleasure. Oh shit! They're calling already. <laughs> Beautiful ending. Okay, Ruben. I'll see you. You take care. Bye take bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, we can't soar above this on my great away. Just letting on the land with our wings. We're defeated and deceived. An outcome out of sight. Lost without non-human rights Lost without non-human rights Oh, where the eagles live Over the rim of a far-long cliff Where I lay on my belly and look over the Over the edge, so I could get a glimpse of what is.
So I could get a glimpse inside an eagle's head It's more than philosophical Hope you enjoyed the song and the episode. The song will be released next week. It will be available on all streaming platforms, but you can already pre-save. Please support the artists by following them on social media and adding the song to any playlists you have. This is a completely free show, and you've listened this far, so I'd really appreciate it if you could pay us back by clicking like and subscribe. And follow at Podsongs on social media platforms, or subscribe to the newsletter at podsongs.com for special updates. Or just tell the next person you see about this amazing show where musicians interview their idols and write a song about them. The songs are available for download from the Podsongs website as well, which pays a lot more than the 0.00 whatever we get from Spotify. You can also email me at jack at podsongs.com to give feedback, suggest an artist and guest combos you'd like to hear, or just say hello. We're a listener-supported show, and I'd love to hear from you. A final thanks to my researchers, Dory Verbo and Rosa Marino. My producer, Maurizio Sanicola of Goldmine Records, and musicians, Massimino Vozza and Luigi Falcioni. The next episode will be out soon. In the meantime, you can listen to more amazing episodes in the archives. Until then, have a great day.